I tell you, I believe there's some people that need to, got some areas in our life that uh, we need to do some uh, grave walking. We need to resurrect some things that God has for us. We need to resurrect maybe our marriage. Maybe we need to resurrect our health. Maybe we need to resurrect our job, our career, our finances. Maybe you need to resurrect other key relationships in our life. Maybe you need to resurrect that relationship with Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, much of the body of Christ unintentionally miss out on the most important mystery that we have dealing with our salvation. It's important that Jesus came. And that he died. He hung on Calvary. Isaiah 53 said he took our sin, our disease, our sickness, our brokenness, our oppression. He took it all on himself. The Bible says that it was much like on the day of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, whenever they would bring two goats under the old covenant, they'd bring two goats into the temple to the priest and he would pray over them. They'd look just alike, same size, same condition. But he would choose one after he would pray over them. And he would put a red ribbon around it and send it off into the woods. And what that signified was that was a transference of his and all the people of Israel, their sins being transferred over to this goat. And this goat with that red scarf, uh, scarlet thread represented the blood of Jesus, the atonement, and it would go out into the woods and therefore all of their sin, all of their pain, their suffering, was removed from them and put over on this goat. But Jesus became our goat, didn't He? Jesus became the one for you and I that took our sin, our pain, our sorrow. Think about this. Whenever He was in the Garden of Gethsemane and He was praying just before they arrested Him. And we see that He was praying to the late hours of the night. His disciples had fallen asleep on Him several times. And it said He prayed with great drops coming from his head like drops of blood. It was perspiration coming off of his head. And a lot of people said, and he said, Lord, if it be thy will, you know, let this cup pass from me. A lot of people say, well, you know, I wonder if he was afraid or I wonder if he was dreading it so much. Is there any other way? But I believe what was happening was that was the moment of Yom Kippur. That was the moment when Jesus was praying and accepting our sin our pain, our disgrace on Him. And it was overtaking Him so much before He even got to the cross that He was already suffering for us. You see, so many Christians never get beyond the cross. I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful that that's where He finished it. That's where He not only took all of our sin, our disease, our poverty on Him, guess what else? He put it to death once and for all. And as he took that on him, the Bible says he took his last breath and he said, it is finished. He went out into hell. He took back the keys of life and death. And he came back and he showed himself after he went to the Father, he came back and he showed himself for 40 days with infallible proofs, divine encounters and miracles. But what I want you to realize is, I think what we're missing out on the body of Christ is we want to stay at the foot of the cross. But Jesus didn't do all that 
just so you could hang out at the foot of the cross. That you gave your life to Him, and that's good. You're born again, and now it's just a matter of, you know, uh, just kind of hold it on and maintain it until I get to heaven. But really, the premise of the entire Bible, the cross was the beginning, but get this, the greatest mystery to the cross and to Jesus is this, the power of the resurrection. Much of the body of Christ totally misses out on the power of the resurrection. Because it's the power of resurrection that raises the dead. It's the power of the resurrection. It said the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same Spirit living inside of every believer. So many times we're praying for Jesus to do something for us when really He already finished it. What we need to do is access the power of His resurrection. The Bible tells us in Hosea 4, verse 6, says that God said, My people, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Lacking the knowledge of Him and His law and what He done for them. He said, Then therefore I will reject them and their children. You see, what we need to understand is God wants you and I to walk in revelation knowledge. We, he wants you and I to not only see Him as He was, but see Him as He is now. But not only see you as you were, but see you as you are now when you're a born-again believer. So I want you to know this today. Christ's resurrection is the foundation of our faith. Yes, the cross couldn't have it without it. But now you need to live in the resurrection power of the cross. And it's the very mystery of salvation that so many believers miss out on. To access all those things that Jesus did for you on Calvary, taking your sin, your disease, your poverty, all those things He took, death, hell, and the grave on Calvary, to access it, you can only access it the same way He did. The same Spirit that had the power to resurrect Him from the dead you have access to that same power. But if you don't know it, you can't access it. But it's not talked about much in the church. We talk about it around here. We're a, we're a resurrection church. We believe in the power of the resurrection. The Holy Spirit is that power. And we believe in it. And we know He can do everything that God said He could do. I look over here. I see Ashley. Stand up, Ashley, if you don't mind. Amen. And since January, we've had so many amazing miracles here. Just on a Sunday morning service, I wasn't even preaching on healing, and the power of God came in through some testimonies. And Ashley was one, I don't know, that day of a dozen or more that had just amazing healing miracles. But when she was born, she had a lot of ear infections as an infant, and it had destroyed her eardrum to the point that she was deaf in one ear. But whenever she was receiving healing, thinking for just a cold and a sinus infection, and then God gave me the word of knowledge to speak to her about her ear, all of a sudden, God began to go in and do a creative miracle to recreate the deteriorated and damaged eardrum, the nerve and the bone in there. And by that afternoon, she got 100% of her hearing back. She said it even hurt. It even kind of hurt hearing these piercing noise out of, noises out of this ear I could never hear out of before. Amen. Thank you, Ashley. That's the resurrection power. 
Now, now, the greatest miracle is salvation. The greatest miracle is to escape hell and to go to heaven. The greatest miracle is to have Christ living in you, the hope of His glory. But what you got to realize is Christ took all of our sin on Him so we could receive His glory on us. The Bible says that we are to walk what in the weight of His glory. Then another great miracle is Billy. Where's Billy at? There, stand up, Billy. Billy was here on a Sunday morning and, and, and been here a number of years. And the same thing happened. And Billy was one of those that stood up that day. I don't know if there was 24 or something like that that had miracles. We brought him up on a Sunday morning service. And Billy said, I said, well, what'd you get, Billy? He said, well, I was blind in my right eye. I said, you were blind. I said, what happened? He said, I had cataracts so bad and it deteriorated and destroyed my eye. And I'm blind in that eye. And I can barely see in this eye. I said, well, what happened? He said, God opened up my blind eye this morning. That wasn't 2,000 years ago. That was in January of this year. Now get this. And I said, well, what are you believing for now? He said, I'm believing. If he did it for that one, I'm believing for the, to give me 2020 in my other eye. And every week since then, he's had a massive improvement in that eye, haven't you, Billy? Come on, give God a shout of praise. Now, what is that? What is that, church? What is that? I can sit here and tell you about the suffering that our Savior did, and we want to give honor and thanks, and He wants us to. But I'm sure He said it in heaven at the right hand of the Father, saying, okay, we've talked about that for 2,000 years. Let's give the why behind what I did. Did you know the person that has the most power in the room is not the person that knows how or what, but the person that knows why? The reason He died was to give us the opportunity to give our life to Him, but also so we would have the opportunity to live in the power of the resurrection that every area of our life we can apply the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead, the same Spirit that raised our dead spirit from the dead, because when you were born again, what got born again? It was abiding in a state of death. But because of the resurrection power of Jesus that raised Him from the dead, now that Spirit lives in you this morning that are born again. And guess what? You, uh, 1 Thessalonians, no, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that you were once dead. He said, but now you became a new creature or creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and what? All things have become new. But how many of us live in the new things of God? Are we living in the same old attitude? Are we living in the same, with the same pain, the same unforgiveness, the same addictions, the same sorrow, the same suffering? Or are we living in that newness of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? 1 Corinthians 15 gives us a good idea of what's going on. It says in verse 17, it says, And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are still lost. And if our hope in Christ, then it says not only would we be lost, but it says also if your hope in Christ is only for this life. How many Christians live for this life and not the life to come? If we live 
for the life to come, we might invite people to church. If we live for the life to come, we might witness more. We might grace people more. We might love people more. We might sow and invest in other people more. Right? It says, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Oh my goodness. Christians who don't live in the resurrection power of Christ, he said, are pitied more than any other person in the world. Oh, that we would stand in front of Christ on our judgment day. The Bible says to be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. And we're standing with Him, looking Him face to face. And then the question is, not just are you here, but who did you bring with you? Are we living for this life or are we living for the life to come? Are we living because of what was done for us or are we living for why it was done for us? It says in verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead and he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. We have become, those that are born again believers, have become the next group of sons and daughters that are His brothers and sisters. He's our Lord and Savior, but we've been adopted into the family, the kingdom of God. Now think about the power of the resurrection. What's amazing on that day of the power of resurrection, when Christ rose on the third day from the dead, the Bible tells us that graves around Jerusalem were open. People that had been dead a year, a hundred years, some even a thousand years, their graves, the same time He came out of the tomb, the power was so strong, it said others were raised from the dead. And they didn't even have the resurrection spirit in them. They were just in close proximity thereof. Well, that's what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that. It says uh, in Matthew 27, verse 50 through 53, it said, And Jesus cried out again, and with a loud voice he yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the bell in the temple was torn in two. From top to bottom, the earth quaked and a rock split. Look at verse 52. And the graves, plural, were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep was raised. And coming out of the graves after His resurrection. David went into the holy city and appeared to many. Church, are we living and accessing the power of the resurrection? Or are we living back there trying to pet our sins and hide our sins and repent over and over and over and stuff? You see, it's like a kid. If, if you have a child and they do 8 out of 10 things right every day, but you only harp and beat them up over the two things they do wrong, are they going to be a positive or a negative adult? Well, if all you ever do is focus on the cross... Or focus on, you know, how messed up you were. Now you're saved by, you know, by the skin of your teeth and the hair of your chinny chin chin. You'll probably maybe make it to heaven, but you know, you're not totally sold out yet. You think you will. And you're constantly reworking everything to perfection. He didn't call you to perfection. He called you to revelation and to power. He didn't call you to be observed or on display. He called you to bring transformation, impartation, healing, and deliverance, and salvation to a dying, hopeless world. Jesus. 
We're not his trophy. We're his sons and daughters, but we're also his tools, his weapons. You see, when you give your life to Christ and what happened on the cross and when Christ rose from the dead was a, 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 was a translational experience. There was a transition that took place. And that transition happened through the power of the resurrections. resurrection. Colossians 1.13 says, For He has raised us, for He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of light. Wow. There's been a transfer that has taken place and God has brought us into the kingdom of God and that's where we live and that's where we dwell. But do we live like we're in His kingdom or do we live like we're in our old life? Now, I'm not saying you're out clubbing and you're out doing this and you're out doing all these things you shouldn't do and, you know, committing things you shouldn't commit and doing things. No, I'm just saying the same mindset. Yeah, maybe you've built good habits. You don't do those things anymore, but you still live with the same fear. You still live with the same identity issues and you still live with the same hurts and offenses and wounds that, that have robbed you for years, maybe decades of the fullness of what God has for you. So, so what is the power of His resurrection all about? What's it all about? It's about two sets of eyes. That's right, two sets of eyes. You see, when you become a child of God and have the Holy Spirit living inside you, now you not only have the natural eyes you were born with, but you also have spiritual eyes. That's how faith operates, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not seen. As a believer, we have the power to look at things that are not visible and see and speak them into the sea. So we have two kinds of eyes as a believer. We have natural eyes and we have spiritual eyes. How did that take place? Well, when Adam and Eve were on the earth and Adam and Eve gave up their spiritual eyes believing the deception of Satan and took on natural eyes. He lied to Eve and he said, look, if you take partake of that tree, she said, oh, we can't do that. God said, that's a tree of knowledge, good and evil. We can't do it. He said, we'll die. He said, no, no, no. He, you, he just knows you'll be like him and he's concerned about that. Well, why was that a lie? She was already just like God. Because of Genesis 1, 16 and 17, what? God said, I created man in my own image. In our own likeness have we created them both male and female, and put them in the dominion of the earth and in charge of everything on this planet that crawls, that swims, that flies. She was already just like God. He had made Adam and Eve the God of this world. But Satan deceived them by coming at their identity. And he came at their identity and made them think there was something missing when they had everything. You see, we keep focusing on what's missing instead of focusing on the finished work of the cross. Therefore, we don't have the momentum in our life to overcome, to go to the next spiritual level God has for us. So what happened? They gave over their dominion of the earth to Satan and now he's the God of this earth. But the good news is, Romans 5 says, the second Adam came. Said the first Adam 
was one, but the second Adam came. And when the second Adam came, he took back the dominion and the uh, lost authority that Adam and Eve had given up. And therefore, he set up a principle in place that you and I, when we accept what he did on the cross and believe he rose from the dead by faith, through grace, by faith, and accept Jesus to be Lord of our life, now he releases that same spirit that raised him from the dead to live in you. John 3 says, whenever Jesus was asked by Nicodemus, said, what must I do to be saved? And he said, uh, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, the old man, said, whoa, 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 my mom's dead. How can I go back up in a dead woman's womb? And be? He said, no, you don't understand. He said, you must be born again first, he said, to enter the kingdom. And then Nicodemus said that, and he said, oh, and you must be born again to see the kingdom. Listen, it's not just God's will for you to be born again and get in the kingdom. It's also his will for you to see the kingdom. Oh, man. For you to see the angels that over what that oversee your life for you to see the power of deliverance that you carry not just for you but just like when Christ rose from the dead there should be but such power when you get delivered of a sin when you get delivered of addiction when you get delivered of a sickness or an illness when you get delivered of a broken heart or depression others around you get delivered at the same time just because they were close in close proximity to you there ain't no gray going to hold your body down. But guess what? If he can't hold you down, he can't hold those close to you down. So you're not only doing this for you, you're doing this for others. I believe this is where, you know, me, when I gave my life to Christ, you know, my story, I gave my life to Christ when I was a little boy in second grade. It didn't last long. I, I got a whole story there. So as I went through high school, played sports, I, 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 uh, was partying some, but not a lot. And then I broke my leg on a motor, in a motorcycle accident, couldn't play sports for a couple of years. And then I just went crazy. And I did get through high school, thank God, barely. And, and got, and, and I, but what I do, I went on and I partied out of, out of a three college, two colleges. And I totaled three cars before the age of 21. But you know, the number one lie that Satan got me with, I didn't like, you know, being addicted to drugs. I didn't like my family saying, Mom, you got to like send this kid off, do something. He's a mess. He's going to kill himself or someone. I didn't like hearing those conversations while I'm lying in my bedroom with a hangover and they're talking about it on a Saturday morning breakfast. I didn't like that. But I did not believe I had the power to change it because I tried to quit getting high and I couldn't. I tried to quit cussing and jumping rope and doing crazy stuff. I couldn't. See, I was focused on the do's and the don'ts, not the revelation of the power that transforms. I didn't understand. I didn't have the knowledge to see that when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, His Spirit would transform me. And I wouldn't be the old Dalton. I'd be a new Dalton. I wouldn't be the old creature. I'd be a new creation. But see, so many in this room today, Satan's got you with the same lie. Well, you know, if you were saved, you know, you'd have to tell your spouse this or that. Or if you were saved, you know, you couldn't do that anymore. You couldn't do this anymore. And you may say, I don't even want to do it, but how can I stop? See, you've got to realize, when you give your life to Christ, 
That's the beginning. But guess, guess what? The same Spirit that raised Him from the dead, the resurrection Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit Himself, will live inside you and transform you and empower you to overcome any addiction, any fear, any messed up life you've had from the past, anything you're afraid of in the future. You will become a totally new person. You, you'll begin to change the way you think. You'll begin to change the way you walk and talk. Why? Because of this love and this power and the presence that's living inside of you. But what's it take? It takes spiritual eyes. And what breaks my heart so much in the church, we don't live with those spiritual eyes. We see God, if it be His will, He might, could possibly heal us. You know, if we get good enough, maybe we'll get a financial breakthrough. You know, maybe if, if we pray hard enough and, you know, and we, we're faithful and we serve and do, maybe we'll get that miracle we're believing for our son or our daughter. It doesn't work that way. God doesn't barter with you. God, just like when He finished it on the cross, Jesus finished it on the cross, He also finished it with His resurrection, and He gave you the very same power He has. Not coming on you when you get real anointed in prayer. Not coming on you when you're real anointed serving and doing good deeds. No, no. Not just on you, but living 24 hours a day, seven days a week within you. Wow. Why would God give you that kind of spirit and that kind of power for you to focus on what you're not instead of who you are? If we as believers could realize who we are, then we could transform those around us into who they need to be. So, what's interesting when we talk about this power to see, and I'll just talk about this for a few moments and we'll pray. This power, everybody say the power to see. It's called revelation, to reveal, to uncover. And the power to see, the way it operates is, um, well, first of all, let's look at how Jesus operated in it. The very first three miracles Jesus did when he rose from the dead was to give his disciples revelation of the scriptures so they could see not only him, but they could see who they are and what they're supposed to be. It tells us that we know the first encounter he had was with Mary Magdalene at the tomb. But the second encounter he had was found in Luke 24 and uh, in Luke's Gospel 24. And uh, in that encounter, it was two disciples that were uh, on the day of resurrection. The third day, they were slipping out of Jerusalem because it was getting pretty crazy there. And they, people knew they were his disciples and they were going to Emmaus. So they were traveling on the road of Emmaus and Jesus appeared to them in a different form and began to talk to them. And they were amazed at this man and they began to tell him what had happened and their, this King of Kings, Jesus, had been crucified and what Pilate had done to him and the religious rulers had done. And, all, and then Jesus just began to let them have it. Like, what is your issue? Listen, what's the Scripture say about that Jesus? And he took them all the way back through the prophet Isaiah up and he began to show them that all these things were supposed to happen to Jesus so that they could be free. And then they said, well, can we just, can you stay a little longer with us? Let's get, let's have something to eat and rest and we'll travel tomorrow. He said, sure. So he sat there with them just for a little while. And then all of a sudden they broke bread and they had fellowship. And when they were having communion, their eyes were opened. And they saw it was Jesus. And they said, master, as soon as they did, he disappeared. 
They were so excited, they forgot about being afraid. They said, Let's, we must return to tell the brothers. And they went all the way back to Jerusalem in the middle of the night to tell the other 11 disciples that they had just seen Jesus, that he had risen. And when they got there, the other disciples didn't quite believe them. They thought they were a little crazy. If there was crack, they thought they'd been on crack, right? And, and what happened? As they're talking and trying to get the 11 disciples to believe him, about that time, Jesus appears. And the Bible says he upbraided them. <laughs> he let them have it. Saying, come on, guys. And he took them through the scriptures. Now, they saw and knew it was Jesus because he appeared in his image. But, but get this. On all these occasions, he revealed to them what the scriptures meant. Your life is never going to go to the next, le le uh, next level of transformation until you understand and know the scriptures. If you're hanging out in a place and they don't give you anything but the, oh, feel good, great, that's cute, that's a good principle, that's great, but it won't transform you. It'll just give you another thing on your list that you need to do. But see, we preach the resurrection power of Jesus Christ here. We preach that when you get a revelation of His Word, His Word transforms you. There's no limits on the Word of God. The Bible says, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'm not living based on the facts in my life. I'm living based on what the truth, the Word, says about me. Where are you at, believers? Where, where are you at today, sir? Where are you at, ma'am? You come, maybe come to church one time a month or two times a month or maybe four times a month. Are you really being transformed? You see, I believe that the word is next level, that God wants to take you to the next level in whatever area you want to go in. But it's dangerous to be stagnant because, listen, everything in this world is living or dying. It's growing or dying. Trees are growing or dying. Plants are growing and dying, and so are human beings. And so are we in our walk with God. But if we would cherish Him and His Word and be in a place where we can get an atmosphere of revelation, then we can see the demonstration. When Jesus gave Him the Great Commission, He didn't say, see these signs following and then preach the gospel. He said, preach the gospel and I will perform signs, I will have signs following you to give the amen. We're not to be seeking a sign. We're to be leaving signs because of our revelation. Just what I said today at the beginning, if you didn't get anything else, are you living at the cross or are you living through the power of the resurrection? What if you started this week applying that power to things that's been troubling you? What if you just said, you know what? I repent of my sin, but you know what? I'm tired of this disease or I'm tired of that addiction or habit. You know what? Right now I release the power of the Holy Spirit over that. I release the word of God that says by his stripes I am healed. I release the word of God that says I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I release the word of God that says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. What happens? When you begin to do that, you release that transformational resurrection power and zero it in on that grave that needs to be opened up in your life. It says in both places, in Luke 24, 16, and 31, and then in 25, He opened their minds to understand the Scripture. Well, I just leave that up to the preacher. Well, the preacher can get blessed, but what about your blessing? The essence of our salvation 
is the resurrection power of God. And I believe that if we will seek Him and be faithful and to study His Word, to know His Word, to hear it, how does faith come? Romans 10 says, now faith comes what? By hearing and by hearing the Word of God. By hearing and hearing the Word of God. It's one thing to hear it with natural ears. But the second one's what's important. You open yourself up to hear it with natural ears. The second one talks about hearing it with the Spirit or your heart. You see, when I hear it with my natural ears, I get an understanding. But when I hear it with my spiritual eyes, now it becomes a revelation. And when you've got a revelation, friend, you're dangerous. God wants to do such amazing things in your life. You see, I, I could give you a big cheerleading message. I can preach. I can hack. I can, I can take the microphone and... But God really dealt me. He's like, this is a word that's in season. And you may only get one chance at some of these people. And they need to hear the truth, the why behind the cross. The why behind the cross. Let me end with this. In Ephesians 1, it says this, beginning in verse 17. Because if we want to realize the essence of the power of the resurrection is the spiritual opening of our spiritual eyes so we can regain our dominion. It says this in verse 17. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is Paul saying, this is my prayer for you, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight that you might grow in the knowledge or the knowing of God. Verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. He don't want things hidden from you. He wants you to see the truth. He wants you to see the healing. He wants you to see the deliverance. He wants you to see the love. He wants you to see the forgiveness. He wants you to see the freedom. So, so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those whom He called His holy people who are rich and have a glorious inheritance. Then verse 19, He said, I also pray you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. Let me stop there for just a second. Do we really have a glimpse of the greatness of God's power. Do we see a God that can heal you if it be His will or heal you if, the, you know, if, if your chin's held in the right position when somebody prays for you? Can He only heal you when you, someone lays hands or they don't lay hands or the elders do it or they don't do it? I mean, can you be delivered of addiction only through psychological means? That can help. But you can get what these guys got and get it instantly if you get a revelation. You see, do we really understand the power of the resurrection? He said that same power. God's power. What? He says, I also pray you understand the incredible greatness of God's power. What if that was your prayer the rest of this year Every day, if you didn't pray anything else, and you got up and said, God, reveal to me the greatness of your power. God, reveal to me. Now, God, can I get that car payment? Lord, you know, try to grab my kids. I want to see them saved. Help them out, Lord. Lord, you know, work on my wife. Work on my husband. Work on my cat. Work on my dog. God, get rid of my boss. God, get rid of my employees. I mean, what are we praying we, we, we pray like beggars. We pray impotent, not selfless, but selfish prayers. I mean, if your kid came to you every day, and I know when they're teenagers this usually happens, but they do grow out of it, believe me. Every day, Charles, all they come is, 
Daddy, uh, I need this. Daddy, can you get that for me? You say, well, I already put that in your account. All you got to do is go access it and write a check or do your check card. Or you, Well, Daddy, can you do that for me? Can you just call over and give him my number? I already put it in your account. God already, by his stripes, not you will be healed, First Peter 2, 24 says, by his stripes, you were healed. He already put it in your account. The power of the Holy Spirit, freedom, love, hope, faith, honor, wealth, forgiveness, healing. It's there. It's there. Lord, would you give that to me? He did. Remember, he said, it's finished. Lord, could you help me with that? He did. It's over. We keep throwing the ball back to him. He's saying, it's finished. Lord, you know, could you help me out at work? It's finished. Lord, could you help me out with my kids? It's finished. Lord, could you help me out with this calling on my life? It's finished. But we keep praying these prayers. Lord, you know, still haven't moved on my wife. Oh, Lord, if you don't move, I'm moving. We got to come to the place, guys, in our life to we realize it's finished. All we need to do is to see it with the spiritual eyes that see spiritual things. And it gives us the hope and the confidence to call those things that are not as though they are. And when we have that hope and that calling and that power and that faith, no grave can hold you no grave can hold your family down, your marriage down, your health down, your finances down, your relationship with people, your relationship with the King of Kings. Nothing can hold you and keep you in the bondage of slavery, of death, of worry, of fear, of anxiety. No, it must release and let you go. Says, for us who believe in him, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. Far above every ruler, authority, power, or leader, or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. What is the greatness of his resurrection? What is it? It's the greatness of his power. What is the greatness of his resurrection? It is the greatness of his power.